Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming. I'm Liz Smart. And I'm Evan Culbertson. And we're watching horror movies. In this case, the horror movies of Fantasia Festival. That's right. We are back, as we were last year, to cover the 25th annual Fantasia Festival, which, if you don't know, is a genre film festival out of Montreal that is once again doing a digital component, which I means... love. So not, happy about it. Not just that we can uh, attend it virtually, yeah. mm-hmm. but also that you can go check out some of the stuff, uh, particularly if you live in Canada. We are thrilled to once again have the opportunity to cover Fantasia Fest. Last year, some of our favorite films of the year we yes. saw at Fantasia mm-hmm. Fest. And there's already some incredible ones uh, so far. I'm really excited to talk about them. Yeah, we've talked a lot about stuff like The Block Island Sound, Island Sound and Detention. Detention. Two of, yeah, two of my favorite movies of the year for sure. Uh, and yeah, we're going to talk about some of our favorites from, from the festival so far. It's ongoing through August 25th, if you want to go buy some of these tickets. Where we know about U.S. release dates or streaming availability dates for any of these films, we will we will bring them up. Mm-hmm, provide them um, for you. But go support Fantasia Fest if you can. They're awesome. They spotlight so much stuff that I wouldn't even know where to find otherwise. No, totally. It's really amazing to see such a cool, diverse, you know... It's, it's such a funny little festival, and I just love that about it. It's, I've, I'm so excited to cover it again this year. Yeah, they're they're awesome. Go go give them some love. Check out these films that we're going to talk about. So you're ready to jump into some of these movies we've already watched? Yeah, let's... No, no more further ado. Let's let's talk about let's what we saw. Let's do it. We should say up front that we're not going to spoil any of these. No, these will be very just, you know, quick thoughts. Basically give you a like sense a of the movies. Run to the theater, walk to the theater... Or don't, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the three categories. So don't don't worry about us ruining anything for you. And we'll be very effusive in, in what you need to go check out. Absolutely. What's the first movie you want to talk about? The first movie I want to talk about is Coming Home in the Dark, directed by James Ashcroft. Uh, this was the first one we watched. And there, I, honestly, no better way to kick off the festival, in my opinion. Absolutely love this. It is about a family uh, from New Zealand, um, taking a little picnic vacation just to get some family time. And they are beset upon by a couple of drifters and things go from there. This movie is terrifying. It is like uh, watching it just being like, I could imagine nothing worse. This is just the the worst case scenario <laughs> of uh, a little day out in the country. And but it's, you know, it's very, very personal and very loaded, but it's also, it resonates outward into mm-hmm. like the history of New Zealand and a lot of really relevant topics people are talking about now. Uh, and it's just, it, it's it's really exciting, I think, to have a movie that is so, again, resonates on such a personal level, but also on a very cultural one as well. Yeah, I think this is going to be the hardest one to not talk about because I have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> I really love this movie. To your point, I think that it's in conversation with films like Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale, as well as like The Strangers. Yes. In terms of having a lot more on its mind than just a straightforward like thriller, but also being so effective in just being like this horrifying like masterclass intention. Yes. With such and like fear and ho- and horror. Startling violence. Yeah. I don't know. I really, really love this. I would I don't want to say more because I actually think that this is one that a lot of people will get to see. It's getting a, a at least a US theatrical release October first. Oh amazing. I'm hoping that the rest of the world will get one 
soon thereafter, mm-hmm. if not before. This movie rocks. This is... Yeah, this is a run. A run to the theater. Whenever, whenever it comes to you, or if you live in Canada and you can see it at Fantasia, uh, it's uh, unmissable. It does feel like our Block Island sound of this year in terms of like, we're just going to be waving the coming home in the it dark It does a little flag. bit, yeah. And like wondering why more people aren't talking about it <laughs> if yeah. they're not. So I really hope True. this does find an audience because it is, granted, quite upsetting, but just like wonderful thriller doing so much with so little in terms of like showy like filmmaking and it's got a very small cast. No, it's very it's very small in terms of scope of like But it's got so much style. I really of course, think that like no. it is if you're gonna direct tension, this is exactly how you do it. It's I agree. really I don't know. Again, I'm gonna it's special. I hold I back from saying special. more. Yeah, it's we should we should keep <laughs> keep it short, but definitely uh would not miss. You should definitely find a way to see it if and when it comes to a theater near you. Absolutely. The second movie we want to talk about is a Belgian film by director Steph Lernu called Hotel Poseidon that I honestly found to be super, super interesting and really unlike anything I'd seen before. Yeah, it's a really tough one to talk about. We could just say the the plot of this movie is basically that it's about a man... Uh, in, a, in a decrepit old hotel that no longer functions. Having weird experiences. Yeah, like his aunt dies, someone wants to stay there even though he, uh, it's not a functioning hotel. There's a lot going on. But it's just about wandering through hallways and, and seeing some really interesting characters and, yeah. and having I, an atmosphere unfold around you. Yeah, and I want to say, stylist. this is stylistically, like, I, I, I want to say, I didn't like this. I... And I really struggle with myself why. Stylistically, it's very specific. And what I would compare it to when I when it first started, the experience that I would would align with it is watching Daryl Lynn Bowsman films. We experienced him in our Saw Marathon, and he directed uh, Hallelujah, the Devil's Carnival, and also Reaper the Genetic Opera. So we've discussed him at length on this podcast, and he does a very specific thing that I think as a teenager worked for me, and would this movie would have worked for me as a teenager, and now I'm just sort of over it. But I still have, like, sort of a grudging respect for it, you know? This, like... Everybody in this movie looks dead. They all look like corpses. Even like the normal people. There's like the weird people. And the nor- even the normal people look dead. And it's very... The way everybody acts is like too much over the top. And it's very grotesque and very gross. And so I like weirdly respect it. Like for what it's doing that it's making choices. Yeah. I, I just didn't care for it. I think I have more of a fondness for this movie than you. I would agree that it's not entirely successful. There's a sequence in the second half where he's at like this club and it's really disorienting and it's it's meant to be because um, the, the protagonist is disoriented. I don't know. I think that there's a really great film in here. I don't know if it's the one that made it to the screen. Yeah. But I really like the ideas. And again, I really respect the, the production design and the vision of this. I agree. I agree. And one of the best um, title cards I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's incredible. Unbelievably talk, satisfying. No, I think that we like, if this sounds like your jam, I know like I'm ragging on it a little bit, but I think you can tell like what, from what I'm saying, like if you're like, no, that sounds amazing. Like y- this might be for you. I'd say also for fans of like David Lynch, it has a similar side of like, do you want to live in this weird unreality? Yeah. It's a little bit more, more than David Lynch in terms of like extreme 
goth is the wrong word, but like hot topic. Yeah, I think we. I think you said it actually in the Alleluia Devil's Carnival episode that like the TikTok teens who like get really dolled up in like skull makeup and like lip sync. Yeah. Um. It's like that energy. It's a little. It's a, a little, little grosser less and weirder than that. Um. I would say it's less sexy than that. They're trying to be like hot when they do that, right? This is not a movie trying to be hot or sexy. Um, but so there just, is quite a bit of sex in it. Yeah, but it just has, it's gross. It's grotesque. I think grotesque is the word. And it's just like, it's not really for me. I didn't feel like, but again, I respect, I respect the, the vision and the decisions made. I just think it wasn't really my bag. Yeah. But if it sounds like yours, I think you would enjoy this. <laughs> so I, I want to preserve as much as I can for you viewer out there who this might be your favorite movie. <laughs> The next movie we're going to talk about is Agnes, directed by Mickey Reese, a horror drama um, revolving around a exorcism of a nun named Agnes. This was kind of middling for me. I, I liked it. I, I liked it too. But I it we did a, a film by this director in last year's Fantasia episode called Climate of the Hunter, which was an interesting kind of take on a vampire story. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, like. Another talky drama that was really expert in its, like, style. And I think that this film's style is also just, like, tremendous. I agree. And some of the performances, and it's an interesting movie because it's it's kind of almost like two movies. And I really, really, really enjoyed the first half. Like, terribly. I loved the characters. I was really fascinated by this convent and the relationships of the women therein. And this priest who comes to exercise one of them and his little assistant. And then his, like, celebrity priest friend who he brings in. All of this was very, very, very interesting to me. And I was really enjoying it. And I don't want to spoil of, what happens in the second me half. Me neither. But it kind of goes off, you know, like, in the second half. And I, I, I don't know that that totally worked for me. Yeah, I like the first half better than the second half as well. Though I think that this film, again, worked better for me than it did you. I think the filmmaking in this movie is superb. There's some great performances. There's a, not a cameo, but there's a surprise person in this that I was... <laughs> yes, that's true. ...really excited to see pop up. Me too. That I also don't want to spoil. Yeah, don't look at the IMDb. Or watch the credits, because his name's in the credits. Also, it's a he. Sorry. Spoiling. I think this movie's cool. It, it like If you like none and exorcism movies and are interested in conversations about, like, devils and faith. Let's say religion, like, these kind of religious factions. But specifically in horror, right? Yes. I think this movie really delivers, and again, I think it's made with so much style. Yeah. Mickey Reese continues to, because Clever to the Hunter, we, I hope I'm remembering correctly, that we liked but didn't love. Yes. And we're really interested in what he's doing as a filmmaker. I don't think one of his films has really, like, wowed me yet yeah but it's the same they're the same kind of movie in that they're very character driven Mm -hmm. so you still can sense a lot of like this is a person who wants to have conversations surrounding these kind of like popular horror tropes which I, i agree completely i love an exorcism movie i love that you can watch five different ones and they're all saying something different about religion or faith or power or any of these number of things i love it so i'm very interested in this like as you said, like what, like what is this director kind of like saying and trying to communicate? I'm also very interested in him as a director because I think this is definitely going for something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I really think that Mickey Reese is like very close to making like my favorite film of a given year. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just got so many ideas, and I really like his filmmaking. Um, and again, I quite liked this film. I just 
I'm really excited because I think the potential is there for like a really knockout film. I agree. It's one that I, I'm, I am going to keep watching Mickey Reese films for a long time. Oh, for sure. The next film we're going to talk about was directed by the Adams Family, who made a film a few years ago called The Deeper You Dig that was a bit of a cult hit and is making its world premiere at Fantasia. And it's called Hellbender, which is a bit of a folk horror mother-daughter movie mm-hmm. that frankly did really knock my socks off is the best yes <laughs> i am an adams family convert now i stan um i love this movie i'm obsessed with it i it's playing off of such familiar tropes and themes this this idea of like a mother sheltering her child you know it's like very rapunzel-esque um trying to keep the child away from the horrors and the evils of the world and telling the child that they're sick and they can't be seen. Um, and of course, then it kind of coming uh, to light their history with witchcraft and like, oh, wait, is is this mother protecting her daughter from the world or protecting the world from her daughter? Playing on these really interesting themes of parenthood and, and, and love and all of that. You're but- not even talking about the fact that there's a, they're in a band. Called I mean, Hellbender. that's what I'm saying, though, is that like, it's very, it's a very familiar story. But it's like this combination of like, like really old folk witchcraft and, and those images that you're familiar with of like, you know, very Blair Witch with like the sticks made into shapes, combined with like, almost glam rock, like they yeah. paint their faces like in a very almost like kiss kind of way to play their funky little drums and guitar rock music that is just like, so good and like their band is called hellbender with e- with threes right instead of e's is that what it is are there sixes yeah it's six, six, six. Oh, i love that i only saw it a couple times on the screen i love it it's great it's fantastic i love this movie performances are stellar effects where they exist are stellar yeah i think that so this this was written and directed and the, the music is by a uh, mother, father, and daughter trio who, like we said, has made, has made a few films before. Uh, the music rocks. The band rocks. Uh, the special effects, I think, do so much with like clearly what is such a limited budget. Yeah. Well, it they save it awesome. for like, the big moments and then the little moments they use really incredible kind of tricks of the camera, which I yeah. love. To be like, let's save up all of the big CGI moments so that they hit really hard. And then the easier things, you know, like eating worms or something like they just kind of do it with a clever you know camera trick which i just think is great i think it's incredible it's very funny it's very thought-provoking um it is definitely a horror film but i don't think it's it's particularly scary uh it's just very vibey yeah it's it's gross uh, in in a horror way, there's gore, so I think that mm-hmm. kind of like lends it to the horror escape. You're right, not it's, a lot of fear. It's not like coming home in the dark, where I was like, I feel like I'm in this car, and I feel I I actively feel threatened. Um, this is more like you're watching with fascination and dread. Yeah, right. I love I oh man, I love this movie. Run, don't walk to Hellbender. I don't I don't have any details on a on a release for it at this point, but I'm hoping this gets a, a wide release. The deeper the, the deeper you dig, actually got a home video release from Arrow Video. Oh. who I've really talked up in the past. So I'm hoping that Hellbender will also find a major audience because this movie rocks. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Evan from the future. 
After recording this, we found out that Hellbender will be released on Shudder in the first quarter of 2022. So, Shudder subscribers, look out for Hellbender. Again, we absolutely loved it. So glad this is going to get a release on our favorite streaming platform. So be sure to check it out early next year. The next movie we're going to talk about was actually my most uh, anticipated film of this festival. Um, That is Broadcast Signal Intrusion, directed by Jacob Gentry. This is a Chicago-based movie uh, that takes place in 1999, so a fun little period piece. Sort of surrounding an old broadcast that our main character uh, comes across, um, an, an unsolved mystery uh, that is actually based on a true story. I know it's one of your favorite unsolved mysteries. Yeah, it's based on the it. Max Headroom incident in which some pranksters hijacked a, a I think it was a Doctor Who broadcast, and like on local access and uh, did a weird, creepy little message where they were wearing a, a plastic mask and just said some silly shit about Chuck Schwarsky being a freaking liberal. Uh, like it, it was, it was just like a prank and it's just very strange that they were able to hijack this broadcast. Well, I think it was WGN and, and never be found and never be found. This takes that in a startling horror direction. Yeah. Rather than just being the silly prank. But unsurprisingly, because I think it is scary. Like, it's actually, it's it's great, right? That, like, the Max Hedrum people didn't do anything deeply traumatic to their audience. But, like, one could. It's weird. If you watch that clip late at night by yourself, you might be like, this is making me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And when this movie started, I was scared. When the, I think this is a very scary When the scary broadcast movie. begins, when he doesn't even really know he's going to come across it, he's archiving um, tapes onto DVDs. That's, like, what he does for his job. And he kind of comes across yep. this broadcast. Um, it's so scary. It's really terrifying. Like very much scared me. Um, but then what's, I, I, I love that decision in a horror movie to be like, let's follow this to its logical conclusion. Like nobody knows where this came from. Nobody ever solved it. Uh, oh, there's these kind of disappearances that maybe they're linked. Like, is that even scarier? Where, what, what, what are these tapes? Like, are they clues? Like, where are these women? Like, there's a lot going on that is just, like you said, kind of taking this to its, horror conclusion yeah in a great way this is a film that i really like the opportunity to talk about in more detail because i will say this is my favorite film that we've watched at fantasia so far we're not done but this is i really love this movie this is way up my alley yeah it's very much in conversation with uh a lot of um pieces of art i don't know how many we've talked about on this podcast did we talk about censor on this podcast we saw the movie censor uh recently and i think chrono bailey bond came out in theaters earlier this year. Yeah, very much in conversation with each other about like I don't know, cursed just, art. Like cursed cursed art and uh like strange filmmakers who sort of hide themselves away and following breadcrumbs that you can find through like old archives and old libraries and kind of digging through things to to sort of find the like solve the mystery. Yeah, I want to say for listeners, I would compare this to if you're a fan of any of the films I'm about to list, this is way up your alley too. Uh, stuff like Ryan Johnson's Brick or Under the Silver Lake, which came out a couple years ago, which we loved. Um, it's a lot like Zodiac, David Fincher's Zodiac, mm-hmm. in terms of being about obsession and going down this rabbit hole and uncovering some things that maybe should have been better left alone. Right. And asking the questions of like, am I pushing too hard? Am I yeah. creating um, puzzles and clues where there are none? Am I connecting things that 
have no reasonable connection, but I'm lost to the sauce. Yeah, I think I found this movie's conclusion very satisfying, but I think that it really, it uses its ambiguity extremely well. I think that's a very difficult needle to thread. And I actually expect that when this gets a wider release, some people may not find it as satisfying as I did. But to me, it was just absolute candy. This is everything I want Mm -hmm. in, in a horror film and in a mystery. It has this wonderful noir score that I just lapped right up. Mm-hmm. This really was just like perfect Evan vibes and <laughs> broadcast signal intrusion. Again, I don't have a release date for it, but I can't wait to talk about this again. Someday. Yeah, I hope we get the chance to. Yeah. Another Fantasia world premiere is Mark O'Brien's The Righteous. Uh, Mark O'Brien listeners may know as the husband in Ready or Not, which the roulette picked for us mm-hmm. last year, I believe. He directed, wrote, and stars in this film, which also stars Henry Zerny, who's also in Also from in Ready, Ready or, or Not. not. <laughs> the father from Ready or Not. Yeah. Um, which is just fun to think about. Like, do they just go like, oh, we we like each other. We like working together. Let's just make another movie together. It's very fun. Yeah, this fun. very Canadian horror film takes place in Newfoundland. This movie is about a priest who has left... That, Elapsed priest. That life behind. A la Signs by Remember Shyamalan. Remember Signs? We talked about Signs for like an hour <laughs> so we started week. and I was like, oh my god, just like Signs. Just like M. Night Shyamalan Signs. Who has an encounter with a mysterious young man and... Played by Mark O'Brien. Played by Mark O'Brien. In a uh, fantastic Incredibly. Beautifully played by Mark O'Brien. An incredible performance that I think the other two lead performances in this are quite good. But Mark O'Brien steals the show and it's incredible that he does it while also having written and yes. having to direct this, it's very upsetting, the stuff that he does in this film. He's so scary. He's very scary. It's And it's towing the line, actually similar to um, uh, the last one we talked about, the, like the, a kind of a visual gaslighting that I actually love to yeah. see in movies where I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Am, I'm, am I perceiving things from the main character that are true? Like, is this an mm-hmm. unreliable narrator even through the let usually you can trust what you see on camera right and if like you're watching a movie and you're seeing things you're like oh that happened but sometimes movies like these actually trip into the like the unreliable narratorship of yeah. the camera itself which is great um so, but then there are very specific moments in this where it's like oh no 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 i'm he he's bad he's scary he's he's evil and it's like a very very fun experience to be on the line that kind of the, yeah. the entire time. Very character heavy film. It's in Very... black and white also. Oh yeah. I think like we should say that. Uh, it really lends itself to the vibe of this. Absolutely. I quite liked it. I think it's really interesting. I think that yeah. uh, it it is, its performances are stronger than its scripts, but I think the direction is just right in terms of keeping us engaged and really putting the spotlight on these performances while doing a few tricks that I don't want to spoil that when this does really interesting things visually, Lean in, yeah. they really stand out. I, I think completely. that it's, it's pretty minimalist. And so if that's not your thing, maybe this isn't for you. Uh, if you don't want to watch very talky. Yeah. People have conversations about faith and regret. If that isn't for you, then, you know, go watch brain damage or return of the living dead. <laughs> Or something like that. True. We've covered plenty of films that aren't... Like 80s schlock, yeah. ...talky about faith. But I found this really, really interesting. And again, I think that... I It makes me hope that Mark O'Brien 
both continues making movies rather than just starring in them and also stays in horror. I was thinking that. I was about to say the same exact thing. This just makes me so excited for Mark O'Brien and the fact that he was like in a very big popular horror movie and then decided, oh, I would like to make horror movies is very exciting for yeah, me. Absolutely. And I would like, I want to see like more and more and more from him. Yeah, I want to I keep him in our, in our yeah, horror in our... world. <laughs> Stay in our corner, Mark. We love you. Next film we're going to talk about is The Last Thing Mary Saw, uh, directed by Eduardo Vitaletti. Another world premiere, another period piece. This is similar in theme, I feel like. I feel like we watched a lot of very, like, movies with a through line in the, in the, for the first half of our Fantasia Film Fest watch. That this also is dealing with faith and possibly some witchcraft. Um, but it's about a, a family um, who has a death and... They are investigating one of the daughters and her relationship with their maid. And it's sort of... Her homosexual relationship. <laughs> I was alluding to that. Uh, that was my interest in this movie is that it is gay and actually gay, not just alluded to. I've always wanted to see Isabel Furman in, in something else ever since I saw her in um, the movie Orphan in like 2009. I love that movie. It's really messed up and I loved her performance in it. So I was excited to see her again. I think she gives a great performance in this. Not to mention Judith Roberts from Eraserhead, which we yes, just talked about a few yes, episodes Judith. ago. Yes, Judith. Oh my gosh. And Rory Culkin. Yes. From Signs. From Signs. Oh my God. The th- the, the threads. The I'm plucking all of them. The M. Night Shyamalan threads. This is the problem is that now that we did this Shyamalan, we, we put our, our, Twitter, our Twitter followers voted on whether or not we should do the Shyamalan-a-thon. And they voted overwhelmingly in favor of it. And now you will have and to now you'll the never fact hear the end of it. <laughs> that we're going to talk about M. Night Shyamalan forever now. Forever. But yeah, I think this this had its slow moments, but I was really interested in what it, what it was doing and where it was going. And the, like, there are a couple moments that really got me, really took me by surprise in a really wonderful way. I'll say this. I would not recommend that listeners check out these films in the context that we do when covering them. Which is to say that this film is exploring similar themes to The Righteous and Agnes. And, and a little bit of Hellbender. And a little bit of Hellbender. So maybe you shouldn't watch them all in a couple days. <laughs> because then, right, Maybe you shouldn't watch 10 movies in three days and then maybe you'll have a different experience. <laughs> it does a disservice to what I think is really interesting about this movie. Because I think this movie is very... Not that those other movies aren't smart. This film is like trying to be intellectual. Mm-hmm. It has chapter breaks. It does. It has Bible quotes, and it. I agree that it starts slow, but it really ramps up at the end. It, it gets chaotic, like playing with horror tropes in a way that I appreciate. Yeah, like it gets weird. Yeah, I like weird. A last shot that really knocked my socks off, which is always. Yeah, I just love. I love when the last shot of a movie really, really gets me because then it just leaves you with that like great feeling, and I love uh, like visual callbacks. Absolutely, it's just, like, my favorite thing in the world. When you watch something and you're like, I get it. Because I watched the rest of this movie. <laughs> Would you recommend it? I think people should check it out. I think so, yeah. Again, especially if, like, I think what, what, what one should do if one is interested is, like, look these movies up on the Fantasia Fest website. Because I think they'll give you a really good sense of, like, do I want to keep this, uh, you know, at the front of my mind? Because if you, if any of these seem interesting to you, you might really like them. I don't think I watched anything so far that I'd be like, do not ever watch this. Like, if it's your thing, it may be, like, your new favorite movie. I really do feel that way. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the Fantasia Fest website because I think that, one, you should go and you should support them and you should buy tickets to these screenings if you can. 
um, depending on, on where you live and watch them. But also that the work that the PR folks at Fantasia have done is excellent. It's I think great. The it's blurbs a really good are website. so good. Mm-hmm. They do a great job of curating, you know, the different programs that they've programmed. You can sort really well. I, yeah. like, I used, I utilized the filters on this website like extensively. Like I really think it's a, an excellent website. It's all very descriptive. It's really easy to find what you want, and I highly recommend visiting their website to see. Uh, what's out there? Listen, folks, Fantasia is a good festival. <laughs> Can you tell we like them? <laughs> Wanted to give a quick shout out to the documentary Alien on Stage by Lucy Harvey and Danielle Kummer, which is about some Dorset bus drivers who decided to adapt the Ridley Scott horror film Alien <laughs> on stage uh, to a stage performance, and they end up moving it to London. And this is the story of them. Moving it to London and adapting it, and it is not a horror movie, but it is about. But Alien is a horror. Alien movie. is a horror movie. Yeah, so it's in, it's in our our world, and it's about it's about the love of a horror movie and about art and, and about theater. creating specifically like camp art and having yeah. fun with it and creating the art that reaches the most specific audience. I feel like is really present here yes. that it's like. I think they actually say that in this, like, y- you'll find your audience. Like, these yeah. pieces of art will find their people. And I do want to say, because if you watch this and you have the reaction that I first had, which is that I was really worried at first that this movie was making fun of these Dorset bus drivers. Uh, I was really worried about it for a lot of it. I was like, do they realize that they're being made fun of? Like, do, like, do these documentarians... Are they... Ma- I just couldn't tell, like, where what we were laughing at for like a little bit. And then I really feel like this pulled it off in the most touching, heart-wrenching way. Like I cried. The end of this movie made me cry. I absolutely cried. Like it's so wonderful for theater, for film, for just human connection, which obviously we've had a lot, a lack of in the past year and a half. Yeah. Uh, so I want to say, I, I just, I say that because if you're watching it and you're like, Ooh, I'm not sure. Stick it out. Cause like, man, does the ending just oof in such a good way. The best way. Wonderful story. Again, a little bit different from, from the rest of the horror movies we're yeah, talking about. But... I just saw this great tagline endorse it. No one can hear you scream. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. The last one we're going to just briefly touch on um, is actually a movie that we did not watch for Fantasia. Um, We actually watched it during Sundance uh, in the beginning of this this year. year. Yeah, January, February. And that's uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Written and directed by Jane Schoenbrunn. And we want to bring it up here because we were really blown away when we saw it at Sundance. Um, At least I was. I won't speak for you. I loved it. And I think it's doing... What you just said about broadcast signal intrusion, that's just like, it's just candy. Like, that's how I feel about this movie. I'm so interested in, like, internet horror, in the found footage of of internet movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, like, am absolutely obsessed with what this movie is doing. It's scary in a very specific way. And I just, like, absolutely love it. So I, and I will say, when we watched it at Sundance, you and I had a... Uh, many many a discussion about what it was saying and what it, and what it meant and what it was leading towards it's actually a shame that we did not record that conversation because it was akin to a podcast episode in terms yes. of us arguing about a film 
And neither of us necessarily being right. Yeah. Right? It was a great discussion for that. And and, and I think speaks to the movie. And, Do you want to talk about what depth. it's about? Sure. <laughs> it's about a, um, like one of those internet games that one plays where you, uh, you look into the camera, you look at a picture and what is it? Do they say we're all going to the world's fair? Um, there's other elements to it. Too. Other elements, but one of those games, one of those freaky little creepypasta games, um, that then you always hear like, and then they were gone and they were never heard from again. And so it's just a, a girl recording her experiences with playing this game and having conversations with other people who play the game and are trying to solve the game. And they, they're to people make it their entire lives, the playing of this game. Um, I don't think you should say any more than that. Sure. But there you go. It really is unique. I will say that I was frustrated by it on my first watch. But there may be no film I've thought about more this year. Part of that is that I saw it in January at Sundance. (laughs) But I have returned to thinking about this film. I wish we had the opportunity to watch it again here for Fantasia. Maybe we will by the the end of the festival. We'll get a chance. We're not catching up. If we watch everything else that we (laughs) want to watch. I would say one of the best films of 2021, for sure. Yeah. It's so interesting. It just lends itself to that kind of discussion of like... I love a movie. I lo- I think they're very actually, very rare these days. Actually, a movie that you can watch and ten different people will take ten different things from it. Um, I, I find it so exciting. And so this movie being like, you you could leave this movie with a group of friends and have like an absolutely wild discussion about what it meant to all those different people. And that's just like my favorite thing to experience. Um, so I'm I'm highly recommend this if and when it comes to theaters or streaming or any of these festivals, like I, I love this movie. I think it's so great. I believe it's getting a theatrical release early 2022. Oh, nice. And then we'll be coming to HBO Max. Oh, for perfect. Streaming. Love so that. you'll be able to watch it in your home as God intended. Oh, so Which will make spooky. more sense when you see this movie. Yep. Great film. Very excited that Fantasia programmed it. Yeah. Very excited that more people are going to be able to see it. Yes, I expect yes, it yes. to also show up at some of the fall festivals as well, because this is... Honestly, I think it's really major and... Mm-hmm. A I'm, non-binary director, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm always, always really excited about that in horror and everywhere uh, to, you know, uplift more, you know, non-binary voices. Yep. It's a film very engaged in transness and trans identity yeah. in ways both obvious and not. No, and in, in subtle ways too as well, yeah. I want, I want more people to get a chance to see it because it really was a surprise. And again, it has been percolating in my mind for months now yeah I so love that. so that's our first half of the fantasia slate so yeah, far first half <laughs> we are not done yeah should we talk about what's next sure so before we finish up fantasia we're going to take a quick sideline to japan cuts festival a festival of new japanese film which is running from august 20th to september 2nd there are in-person screenings in new york as well as some online screenings. Now, not all of the stuff showing at Japan Cuts is horror, and so we're not going to be talking about most of it. No, but we are going to watch about those horror ones. The couple horror movies and horror-adjacent films. Yeah, there's always a, there's always kind of a nice little thriller blend sometimes. Yeah. Japan Cuts is cool. I'm really excited that, that we're getting the opportunity to cover it. I really recommend you go check out some of those screenings, because one of the things I'm most excited for is a restoration of Shinya Tsukamoto's Hiroko the Goblin, uh, which is, I don't know, 30 years old at this point. But uh, I've never seen that. I'm really excited to check that out. Maybe we'll talk a bit about Shinya Tsukamoto yeah. in the next episode. And our episode will come out next week, so there'll be some time after it comes out to um, 
Yeah, so it starts... Run out and see those screenings. It starts this weekend, but then continues to September 2nd. And then after that, we're going to talk about more Fantasia stuff. Yeah, so just festival, festival, festival coming at you for the next few weeks. By the time we we have our next Fantasia episode, the festival will be over. So it'll be a wrap-up of our thoughts before we move forward. So, again, highly encourage you to go check out Fantasia's website. Check out the slate. Watch some screenings if you can. And... Like I said earlier, I think it's actually true of last year as well. Maybe. Uh, mostly true of last year and definitely true of this year so far. There has not been anything that I've watched that I'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm asking for my proverbial money back. Like, I, I'm very excited by all of these because so many of them are debuts or premieres. And it's just very exciting to see what's out there at this time of the year. Um, so if you're interested in film, you're interested in horror and you're interested in genre films, it might just be really fun to go on their website and see what's out there. Absolutely. You know, like, again, it's a great website. It's a great festival. I'm excited for our wrap up. But if you, in the meantime, you want to know what else is out there, like, check out the website. Yeah, we're big fans of Fantasia Festival. August is all about festival coverage, baby. Yes, it is. Anything else? No. I'm excited to watch some more movies. We're watching so many movies. So many movies. Folks, you have no idea how many movies we're watching. It's out of control. I watched like six short films today. Oh we didn't God. even talk about them. We didn't talk about the short films. We'll have to talk about. We'll do a we'll do a little short film wrap up last yeah, time too. There's so many folks. I just. Yep. It's that time of year. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.